The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everyone. This is Gwendolyn, and I am happy to welcome you to the Visual Workplace on this very cold and crisp November morning here on uh, in Oregon. That's where I live, and that's where my offices are. And uh, it's cold out. It's like 20 degrees, which for us might as well be 20 below because usually our temperatures stay around 40. So welcome to the Visual Workplace. I am glad I'm inside with you. <laughs> the Visual Workplace, every week, On our show, and this is a weekly show, we talk about some aspect of embedding our intelligence about the production system into the physical landscape of work, into the physical part of that production system, whether that's the floor, the wall, the machines, the bench, if you're in a hospital, then the the desks, the supply cabinets, the med charts, the med carts, All of the physical, tangible parts of the workplace, whatever that workplace is, if it's a bank, then it's going to be desks and reports and filing cabinets and not everything. Not everything is in the computer. And in fact, when it gets in there, who knows where it is? It's somewhere in the computer. So when we create a visual workplace, what we are doing is we are making the workplace speak. We are literally making it speak. We are compelling it to speak. We are designing language into the workplace so that the workplace is ready to give us the information we need when and as we need it. A workplace that is not visual is full of struggle, and that struggle is anchored in the fact that information is missing. And this information may seem trivial to some, but to you it's vital. It is your next step. What is it that you need to know before you can do your work? Before you can do your work, you sometimes need the smallest, tiniest bit of information, whether it's a spec, whether it is a part of an order, whether it is um, understanding what goes where, tiny, tiny, tiny thing will stop us and we begin to struggle. We begin to not enjoy our work. We begin to not flow. We begin to resent our work. We begin to blame the system that is not coughing up the information when and as we need it. We begin to doubt the system, to doubt ourselves, to doubt our company, to doubt our place in the world. It gets very, very big. When we have to struggle on such a microscopic level, we really begin to question our place in the world. 
and why we are even bothering to work because everything is such a struggle. And that's the nature of a visual visual workplace and a pre-visual workplace. It is minute pieces of information that build up into a language, just the way we use words to create a sentence. But before we get those words, we have letters. And then we have the words, then we have the sentences, the paragraphs, the books, whether they're books of poetry or books of um, text and technical information. doesn't matter. And that's what it is in a visual workplace. The devices that we create hold the vocabulary of our excellence to whatever level we are currently on. Get that concept, please. This is not elementary. It is fundamental. This is not childish information. It is fundamental These are the principles of visuality. And if you get that part, you can go on with that simple understanding. You can go on to create a visual workplace. It'll be hard because I'm not speaking of methodology. But you'll get the basic concept and you'll be able to penetrate the struggle and understand, see that your struggle is embedded in missing information. And even for the folks who are listening now on voice America, who are in the studios of Voice America, look around you and see how much you have to struggle to find the vital information you need just to get this show going. Is it there at your fingertips? Do you have it embedded or is it in your head or in the head of the person who happens to be absent today? Now, I think you guys must have a great visual workplace because you support me so well. That's my supposing, that it isn't all skill and memory, but it actually is embedded. And that's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. That's what you're looking for. So welcome to the visual workplace. We want to transform your thinking so be, you become a visual thinkers. Last week, we were closing up our series on becoming a brilliant visual workplace trainer. But you know what? I got a little bit behind myself, so we're going to conclude it this week. And I'm adding uh, another tool. So let me just make it the single announcement that I have today, besides wishing you in advance a great Thanksgiving, because we'll have an encore performance next Thursday. Um, I'll pick out a good one. The only announcement that I have is to remind you that we are, that I'm going to be conducting Visual Workplace Visual Thinking, a seminar that is based on the book with the blue neutron on the cover. I'm doing that seminar on December the 9th, on Monday, at the Embassy Suites in at the Portland Airport, Portland, Oregon. And the next day I'm doing a seminar on visual leadership, the eye of the leader, the, the, practice, the, the principles and practices of visual leadership. Very, very wonderful construct, physical, visual construct for leaders and for um, grooming leaders. Very, very important. I'll be doing some shows on that later on, um, early early part of next year. If you want to call in, I would welcome your phone call. Right now, this second, just call in and say hello and, and say what your thoughts are about visuality, or if you have a question, that's great. The number is 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, or you can send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com, radio at visualworkplace, that's one word, dot com. We've been getting a number of emails, and we're probably going to do a call-in show on email call-ins. 
because there are so many of them and the questions are so good. And I know many of you, we have about 70,000 people listening a month, a little over that now, and uh, many of you listen to us on podcast, and so you don't have a chance to call in. That's great. Send an email. And by the way, the podcasts are available at the same, um, at our website, visualworkplace.com, or you can get them on iTunes. And I think it's terrific. We're organizing them. I know I keep promising we're organizing them, and we're probably going to put them into uh, a CD so you can get shows, all the shows about this or about that. Okay? So today we are going to conclude our series on becoming a brilliant visual workplace trainer. You know we've been talking about that now. This is the ninth show And that doesn't mean that we're going to stop talking about it after today. It simply means that we've covered the landscape pretty well. And I hope in useful strokes so that you get it. And I, and I hope I did a good job in helping you make sure, in helping to make sure that you do get it. That becoming a visual, a brilliant visual workplace trainer means developing and honing your skills so that you're good at your job. And what is your job? To inspire to inform, to support, and to transform through the principles and practices of workplace visuality as your company creates a workplace, a workforce of visual thinkers. As your company creates a workforce of visual thinkers, not just operators and supervisors, but the entire stream of enterprise. Purchasing, marketing, management, CEOs, engineers, quality technicians, maintenance folks, doctors, nurses, the entire stream of valuable employees, the valuable employees stream, which is every employee. So in last week's show, we summarized the discussion to date, everything that we, uh, I had covered over the previous eight shows. Maybe today is our 10th show. Hmm, I'll have to look. But at any rate, we, I put that together into a kind of 12 rules format, 12 rules or points in being a brilliant trainer of visuality. Remember, I talked about developing visual thinking, developing thinking, providing a feast for the mind, using motion as a lever and so on, doing your homework. I think you remember that. A clean list of 12. And we also talked about the so-called care and feeding of trainers, the trainers themselves. How do we give them feedback and support? I shared with you two tools. One was a grid, which is a way to gauge the readiness of the heart and mind to receive feedback. And the other is a debrief protocol. So you can listen to that podcast again if you wish. Again, you can get the links on our website, visualworkplace.com or from iTunes. But I didn't exactly cover everything I wanted to say and this week I want to do that and add a third tool and I'm going to call that tool the pyramid and all three of them have very much to do with the readiness gauging the readiness and then if you are about to give feedback the readiness for feedback so this is what we're going to do in order we're going to go over the grid which I discussed but I will um, review and go into some uh, uh, tangential detail, detour detail as well. The grid is a tool that you use to discover how 
people are faring, how in this case trainers are faring in terms of the business impact, their inner stability, and the support that they do or do not give, for ex- uh, sorry, do and do not receive, for example. The pyramid, the second tool I use to diagnose learning readiness and also uh, just the difference between task readiness and, pro- and the need for more process. You'll know about that in a moment. I'll give you the detail. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool that has such wide application. I'm sure that you will find use for it, not just for visual workplace trainers, but for many, many other settings. And the third will be the debrief protocol, the debrief protocol which I discussed last week but did not complete. How do you coach trainers or even a trainer one-on-one so that hearts and minds stay open to feedback, especially when the feedback is tough? So let's begin. So I want to say by as preface that these three tools, the three that we're about to discuss, work with any group in any function on any organizational level. They are simply good people process tools, very solid tools from tools for making people a part of the process and not jumping over people to get tasks done because tasks and people are inseparable in whatever the work setting. People and tasks, tasks and people, they go hand in hand. You have careful agendas and outlines and spreadsheets and slideshows and pert charts to help you get the tasks done, but they're going to be done through people. So you have to pay attention to that resource. It's a resource. So whether your group is made up of trainers, operators, engineers, or CEOs, these tools will help. They have wide application. I use them extensively in all those groups, but today I'm going to be talking to them, to you about the training function. And what has that got to do? What has all this got to do with the visual workplace, the focus of this show? Well, first of all, a visual conversion is a blending of people and thinking and devices against a backdrop of principles and metrics. Secondly, the folks responsible for training visuality, that knowledge base, that cognitive content, mental content called visuality, well, they're people too. They're people too. And their psyche and Psychologic, psychology and emotional need, emotions are part of that mix. As trainers, they are also learners. So we're going to pick this up, do the first tool right after the break, the grid, and I'll see you in a minute. I'll be here. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. 
Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi there, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn, and you are in the second part of The Visual Workplace this week where we are talking, I believe it's going to be our final show, on becoming a brilliant visual workplace trainer. And we were ta- we are talking about finding out what's going on with the trainer, supporting that, understanding it, caring for the trainer. It is an extension of the show that we, that we did last week called, uh, I suppose I was wrong in calling it this, but I did, <laughs> the care and feeding of our good trainers. <laughs> I hope that you understand the tremendous respect I have. Your job, you are the front line. In visuality, the trainer is where it happens. Because remember, what you're doing in visuality is you are teaching a new way of thinking. Visuality is not about point solutions. It is not about the device. It is how the device gets created. The thinking behind the device, only when you train, when you teach, Thinking, can that device get better? Can it be iterative? Can it go through the cycles it needs to, to really serve the person and the company so that there is a discernible, trackable business benefit as well as the end of struggle for that particular employee? Hmm? Only then. So you're teaching thinking, and since you're thinking, you're teaching thinking, this is what Mao Zedong said what, 70, 80 years ago, give me the child before they're six, and I will have them for the rest of their lives. It was kind of a scary thing for him to say, but he meant it. In communist China at the beginning, the thinking was groomed, and when the, the thinking is groomed and in place, you've got everything. You've got the mindset, you've got the vision, you've got the eyesight, and you've got the behavior that aligns with that. And that's what we're doing in visuality. It's one of the reasons why I like so much when Jim, Jim Womack uh, called his book uh, Lean Thinking. It is about thinking. And there's been a revolution in thinking related to lean. I think it's kind of gone off the rails recently, but I know it will self-correct soon. Where It's become kind of an alphabet soup. In visuality, it's about thinking. Okay, and 
it's gone off the rails before it even got started because people kept seeing visuality as point solutions and not understanding that it was a point of view, that it was a point of understanding, a point of penetrating the struggle and seeing what triggered it and what to do about it. That's been my great pleasure over the last 30, 31 years is to penetrate that wall that was made up of point solutions say, and say, what, what are the components of this? What is the thinking? And so I created a um, methodology of thinking. And that's what the trainer does, at least when they train my stuff. So the grid is going to be there for you as a coach, trainer, for you as a coach to penetrate the psychology and the emotions of the people whom you are training if they are operators or maybe you're training executives or maybe you're training trainers. This grid works. And all you do is you draw a grid, a grid shape on a flip chart. I don't make a handout of this. I want to make it look rough and ready. And so there's going to be one column for the names. Let's say there are seven names. Juan, Leonardo, John, Gary, and Marianne, another couple of names. So that goes down the left-hand column, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Across the top, you've got, say, four columns. I usually do five columns. First column is the names. The other four columns are for the questions that I want people to answer individually by themselves without speaking to anyone else at the beginning, usually at the beginning of the session. Sometimes I'll pull this out in the middle of the session if there's a lot of um, moaning and complaining and a lot of stuff. I'll want to find out what's going on in that stuff and I'll say, hold on, we're going to do a grid. Everybody already knows the grid because I often start my sessions because I need, especially if I'm a traveling consultant, I need to get a quick and clear understanding of who's in the room and how to focus the room and me on the important issues. And this is after, this is the, the, the coaching session. How do I find out how people are doing and how is it going and how they think they're doing and how they think other people are doing? So the four columns, and you can have three, you can have five, but I wouldn't go more than five questions. Three to four is usually what I do. And I asked the questions, and last week I gave you this. Here's a set of four questions. One, how is it going? Whatever it is to you, how's it going? And by the way, I'm talking about the visual workplace. So we've got that context. And number two, how are you going? How are you doing in that? Just give me a number on a scale of one to ten to give me an idea of how you think it's going for you. And I don't need to know right now what the complaint is or the celebration is. I just want a number. And the third, do you feel supported? Give me a number. And that number will show me to what extent you feel supported. No one will question you. We might come come to find more information about it, but we won't question your assessment, your number, whether it's a three or a nine. Do you feel supported? And that's really the question is, for those of you who are tracking this, 
To what extent do you feel supported? And that to what extent makes it not a yes or no question. That allows the person to gauge. And by the way, this is an excellent normalizing exercise where nobody is wrong, but everybody has the same focus, the same four questions. And usually at the end, of the, uh, I say I'm going to have a fourth fourth column, and that question will be at the end of the session, I'm going to ask you, how much did you learn today? Which is, to what extent did you learn something useful for yourself today? How much did you learn today? It's always with the eye. It's always eye-driven. And people fill out their numbers at for themselves on a slip of paper in the back of their books on the palm of their hand. They have to write it down. And then I say to them, and I, sometimes I keep this covered so that they feel very, very, um, well, I suppose I deceive them because I'm not telling them that I'm going to share, that I'm now going to write things up. Sometimes I do, but once I do it, once I do it once, then they know it's going to get shared. <laughs> Most of the time I share it. There are other things to do with it. I'll talk about that in a second. And then I say, give me your numbers and just read them. Don't go slow. I'll be able to catch up. 899-876-534. Just give me your numbers. We go down the list of seven and I write them down. And then I stop and I say, okay, I want you to be me and look at these numbers and I want you to make comment on them. I want you to interpret the array of numbers that you see before you because I want them to understand for themselves that it's useful to calibrate using a common language, in this case language uh, numbers, in this case numbers, and to make an interpretation. And that is the talk amongst themselves exercise. If you've been tracking with me, talk amongst yourselves is, is the normalizing exercise I prefer. Give them a juicy question. So in pairs, one, two people, if you have to, three at the most. They talk to each other and they say, hey, what do you think that means? Hey, look at this. And just notice things. And I say that from the up front. I want you to just notice things and talk to your colleague about what you notice. You don't need to make an interpretation you will have an interpretation by noticing things and start putting that together. And that's what they do. And you give them, let it run for five or six minutes and they talk about it. And then at the end of that, when they finish talking, I say, okay, tell me what you see. So by the way, one of the things that you have to do as a coach is to turn attendees into participants. So you have to give them a way to participate. And that is essentially what I'm doing with all normalizing exercises. And in this case, I'm letting them normalize on a pretty high interpretive level about what is it, what's going on in the room, what's going on with your colleagues, not what visual devices have you seen in the last, since we last met. But tell me what these mean or what they could mean. And we talk about it. What could they mean? And, you know, it is wise for you to hear from one person and say, okay, good, thanks, without comment from you. Not you're right, you're wrong. What else? Anybody got a different view or a view that they want to build on? Uh, They want to build on what Marianne just said. And then you let people 
run with that. And they're talking. And suddenly they're engaged in self-reflection, their own self-reflection, and self-reflection for the whole group. Hey, there seems to be a big range about how people think it's going and how people feel supported. Yeah, there is quite a range there. Yeah. And, you know, I want to talk about a few of these things. We can talk about whatever you like, but I've got a few things I want to kind of drill down on. And then you let it run, you let it run. Anybody else? Other comments? And they might say there's a lot of sameness. We seem homogenized. Everybody seems in agreement. And I will often say, yeah, I see that, and I am worried about that. Because I've been out on your floor, and I've seen what you've been doing, and I'm worried, and you're not. So, you know, we're going to talk about that. Whatever it is. But you're going to stay engaged, and you're going to be looking at that, and you're going to be calibrating for yourself. And I often make my own marks, which I usually never share. Hardly ever share them. Unless somebody says, what did you write down, and really insist on it. And then I'll say something like, well, if you really want to know, I don't agree that you're out of five. I think you're, as a group, I would put a nine there. Or I may say, I don't agree that you guys are at a nine. I think you're at a generous five, and I'll explain myself. Because I'm coaching, because the people already know the content, and they are now putting it into a setting in their mind. They're putting it into a framework. They're trying to understand it more deeply. So this is treating your so-called attendees coming to the training as peers. You also want to see through their experience. So you're getting their numbers up here. But you also want to have a conversation about it. This works exceptionally well with operators. It works exceptionally All kinds of stuff will surface. To what extent is maintenance supporting you? To what extent is management supporting you? Blah, blah, blah. Here's another set of questions. Are your supervisors on board? To what extent do you know why? Third column would be, to what extent do you feel capable of addressing that or improving that? The fourth column will be almost always, are you getting the support that you need? To what extent are you doing that? And at the end of the session, I always have something that says, how much did you learn today? To what extent did you learn something useful? So you can make those questions and just get practice doing it. You know, if you do it a few times, you'll understand the secrets of this. I stumbled upon it because I was blind day after day, meeting with my clients, people I would see once a month. I was blind. I needed to know. I needed to know accurately, and I needed to know right now how people were feeling right now before I walked into the fire. So this was a very, very good prep step. I've used it for 25 years. I love it. I hope you consider it. You can do it with your CEO. It is a tool for people who are you are coaching It is a, and training, and it is a tool for you so that you can see. So please, please consider this. Oh, I'm late for a break. Kevin is uh, winking at me. So we're going into our next break. And uh, when you come back, we will do the, um, the pyramid, which is really, really interesting. See you in a minute.
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Game-changing technologies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up the status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take a coffee break with Game Changers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top big data innovators. Learn about emerging big trends and technologies and how you can grow your business and profit. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. Hi. Welcome back to the third segment of the Visual Workplace today, where we are wrapping up the idea of supporting our trainers by giving them an opportunity to share what's on the inside on the outside, so that they talk about how they're feeling, how they're doing. So you create a field or a setting that is ready for feedback, your own feedback, your own evaluation, so people can learn and grow through the experience of teaching others. Hmm? Don't skip this. I'm giving you three tools for doing it. This next tool is a little bit more obscure. I'll tell you about its use but the grid that we just discussed is is a very useful tool. Do it with your trainers. Arturo and Juan and Leonardo and Marianne and John. They're training their guts out. They want to learn from whatever just happened. <laughs> they don't want to be bludgeoned by it. They don't want to be discouraged. They want to know how to mine it so that they can grow as trainers and grow as people. You've got to do this. You can do it one-on-one. You can do it in a group. You can do it one-on-one, the grid I just gave you. I want you to write a grid. Give me a way of understanding where you're at right now against the parameters of performance or the expectations. Give me an idea of where you are on the areas where you are being held accountable. Let's talk. But we don't have to just talk blind. 
This is something, by the way, I was talking about it uh, briefly to a group last night. I went to see a plant, and they were talking about uh, visual management and how it helped them. It just helped everything, the management part, a lot of visual displays. This was a new product development um, department. And what's so very interesting about that is that the relationship actually, the relationships between um, the kind of high-profile engineers and VPs responsible for marketing and product development began to smooth out through using a visual uh, display and uh, began, they, there began to be a growing parity with the engineers, the technical engineers and the draftsmen who were doing the drawing. And there was a much more open conversation. And what I said is what's amazing about visual is that because you are focused on a third um, part of the landscape, I'll use better words in a moment, the emotional charge and the ego charge begins to diminish and that's what we're doing with the grid. It's called the third focus. The third focus means I'm not looking at you, talking to you, and you looking back at me. Because there's often an emotional charge when there's only you and me. But if there's a third focus, a thing, a chart, a grid, suddenly we're talking to the grid and the emotions and the fears and the egos begin to smooth out. It's called a third focus, and it is one of the reasons why the grid works so well. People have complaints, but you're putting it into a structure. And you have certainly heard me talk about the value of structure, and that is what visuality brings. It gives you structure, and it discharges the charge around difficult situations, difficult uh, meetings. And plant managers, I want to say to you, use the grid for those darn scheduling meetings that you have every day from 9 to 9.20. And take a few moments out at the beginning. It'll take you three, four minutes. When you have a bigger session like the one I described before the break, it'll take you 10 or 12 minutes, but it is so valuable. Besides being a normalizing exercise, but go ahead and ask them, to what extent, plant managers, does this meeting, this scheduling meeting we have every day work for you? To what extent does this meeting work for you? To what extent is it vital to your uh, workday? To what extent does this format serve you? Ask them. And you'll make some fundamental changes in those scheduling meetings because you'll understand better because they're going to give you input in a very simple way how to improve it. So that's the grid. Lots and lots and lots and lots of uses. I hope that I've been persuasive. Now I want to talk about the pyramid. The pyramid has to do with the balance point between two vital parts of every, um, of every outcome. The task part and the process part. The task part is the what. The process part is the how. But it also has to do with people. The task part is about the content. What do we have to do? And the process part it has to do with to what extent are we ready? 
psychologically, emotionally, psychically to do this. We call it a pyramid because this is another third focus item. The pyramid is something that at the beginning you draw. You put a pyramid. This is the way I use it when I use it publicly with a group. I draw a pyramid on the flip chart. I take a length of um, masking tape. And I say, okay, the top part of the pyramid towards the peak is about task. The bottom part, the base of the pyramid, is about process. I want you to draw a pyramid on a piece of paper at your desk, at your, at your table. And I want you to put a horizontal line, a horizontal, the masking tape, horizontal, based on what you think you're ready for today. Are you capable of doing a lot of task work? How do you feel today? Do you feel capable of taking on some really big tasks? And this is very important, especially if you're a trainer, for you to understand that these are two warring opposites. They war against each other unless you have insight into them. Tasks can keep us busy from dawn to dusk. Do this, do that, the list is endless. Process is the people part, and you have to be aware of that. And the key is finding the right balance. So you can ask people, as you did with the grid, to put the bar, which is the line, based on where they're at today. And I sometimes do this. This is not an often do it tool in this way. I sometimes do it, I always do it with trainers when I'm training them because I want them to know that they may have a lot of content to cover on such and such day, but if the class is not ready, don't waste your time. And I want to mention some big things that would make a class not ready. Somebody died the day before. There was an accident in the shop. John F. Kennedy got shot, got assassinated. 9-11 happened. When people are in that state, sometimes some people ignore it. And I want to say to you, you can't ignore it. You have to recognize it, you have to admit it, and you have to know that tasks will not dominate the meeting today. The balance has tipped in favor of, let's, let's talk about feelings. How is it going? What do you think's going on? Let's do something else today. I've got to change my agenda. Now, a lot of, a lot of people will bull, bullhead through this, and they don't understand that they're violating the possibility. It isn't that this is a therapy session. It's just that when there are very large issues that come up or you guys failed an audit, actually, that is usually a rallying point, point for getting a lot of tasks done. But you have to... From meeting to meaning, find the balance point because it's shifting. The way that I use this, not publicly, is I do the grid, such as I was just describing, and then I say, okay, based on what's going on today, I'm going to have to get a blend of this kind of a task and that kind of a a people process piece. I'm going to have to keep checking in with the group because they're hurting or they're upset, because they're anxious because they're full of fear, whatever it is. And I just, in my own mind, 
move the bar. Let me give you an example of this. This, I think, will bring it clear to you. When you're assessing a company, you have to find out whether or not that company is capable of doing tasks or whether or not there is so much out of place, including the improvement infrastructure, that tasks are going to be hit or miss. If you look at Toyota, the bar is almost down to the base of the pyramid. They are so capable and so emotionally balanced because of the years and years and years, the maturity of their uh, framework, that they can get a lot of tasks done, a lot of tasks done. Like 95% of the meeting is just getting tasks done. There's courtesy, maybe it's 99%. But, for example, the other extreme When 9-11 happened and you had a business meeting, forget about it. People have got something else occupying their brain and you better recognize it. Don't pull through it. So this is a tool that doesn't have a a wide application in terms of teaching operators, but teaching trainers to be aware of that balance point is very, very important so that they make the right decisions in terms of utilizing the little bit of time that they have. Tasks can dominate this meeting. The balance has tipped in favor of getting all the things done that is that that are on my list. If the if if you put the bar, if the bar lands close to the base in your mind in your assessment, but if it's up high, you can't fight it. You can't ignore it. Sometimes you can shift by simply moving ahead, but you have to be aware that that is a shifting balance and that. This triangle tool or this pyramid tool is there for you to learn about your own, uh, learn about your own group in a way that will help you serve them better. Okay. So let's uh, go to our break, and after the break, we'll do uh, the third tool that I wanted to present today, which is a review of the debrief protocol, and then some added things from last week. I'll see you in a minute. Thank you. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. 
Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn again, and we're in the fourth section of our, fourth segment of our show. Uh, and I want to say some things very rapidly about uh, the, uh, the pyramid. Uh, I have seen a lot, a lot of work being done in uh, factories and also, by the way, in hospitals, that is driven by fear, driven by de- by a kind of dominant demand about um, uh, people in authority requiring certain work to be done. And that's okay. I mean, sometimes you have to do it. This isn't group therapy. This isn't uh, the pyramid is not a way for you to um, change the psychology of people, but it is a way for you to become more effect- effective so that you can lead teams and lead yourself better. You might do this as self-reflection. Where am I today? What do I feel like doing? Oh, my God, I've got such a load of stuff to do, and I feel like I want to go to the movies. I don't want to be here. Be aware of it. It may not change the amount of tasks you get done that day, but you're also not denying the fact that it's going to be hard. And every successful team-based implementation is a story of this shifting balance. The bar between task and process moves up and down. And you have to consider this as you assess how things are going and what needs to happen next. Trainers have to assess it for themselves. You set your agenda, and then if you can't see your way clearly, you got to ask that question. How are we doing? Where are we going? Are we progressing? Are we stuck? Okay, so this is another reflection tool, and I think an important one, that the trainers use for themselves, that you use when you're training trainers, that you use when you're trying to be as effective as possible with a group. It's an awareness tool, a reflection tool. The third tool is the debrief protocol, which I described to you last week. And I want to go into a little bit more detail here. We only have about six minutes, but I'm going to try my best. So the whole idea is you want to be able, this is with your trainers, you want your trainers to be able to receive feedback, to learn and to grow as they train. Training is a learning experience. When you're training others, you're learning all the time. And if you don't take a moment to debrief and put it into a context, put it into an understanding, put it into a bucket, that learning will go away and you will just kind of build up this kind of stress about worrying about the next time because the successes and the failures of the previous time have not been digested. 
So what we do in a deb- when we debrief is we have our trainer, whether it's solo or whether there's a group of people who are observers. There's, if there are two trainers, we go through it with the two people side by side. And we say, okay, you please tell me three things or tell the group three things that you loved about what you did today. And the trainer, if there are two of them, then they do three each. What did you, what did you love about what you did? And, and you can pretty much insist that they be different. So there's real thinking going on. I love the way I handled Charlie's story. I love the way I handled that objection. And by the way, I got robbed over lunch and found out and I came back and I wasn't a drama queen and I stayed quiet and on task. I did a good job. I'm really proud of myself. Great. And now it comes to us. Now we say three things that we loved what you, what you did. And if there are uh, four people observing and you, those four people have to name three things. And you've got to dig pretty deep. And once you do this, they'll get ready for it the next time. You don't give the protocol ahead of time and say, we're going to do this. You instead do the protocol, and the next time you debrief, we do this. There are very, very few occasions when I don't do it. I can't think of one right now, but you really, really make that a part of your scheduling so that you leave enough time for this kind of debrief. And you share that. And then, and this is what's so important, you let the trainer or the two trainers talk about where they wished they hadn't done something, they wished something was different, they give themselves their own constructive feedback. Gee, you know, this was really tough when this happened. Every time I, uh, I run up against this situation, it's really tough for me. You give, the cons- you give constructive feedback on yourself. How you conducted yourself, what I really liked about what I did, I've already covered that. But how I conducted myself in terms of, um, in terms of what I would like to see improved. And then we hear from me. We hear from the other three or four people who were there. And in that way, it's so important for you to get people's hearts and minds open to themselves. And you do that when you ask them to please, um, to please talk about what they liked about themselves. And while their hearts and minds are open, then you say, okay. And, you, you know, it might be. It's, you have to state one, but not more than three. We try to get three. I wore the wrong shoes today. These heels make me cranky. I'll never do that again. Second thing is I didn't prepare for the rift on the mind as a pattern-seeking mechanism. I, didn't, I'm not, I wasn't well enough prepared. I stumbled through that. I wanted to be clearer. And I knew that people weren't getting it, and I knew that I couldn't build borders on it. I was really disappointed. I was embarrassed, in fact. And the third thing, I was rude to that lady who came in with the message for Marianne. She caught me off guard, and I slid into my fascist persona. It was embarrassing. I know you all saw it, and I, everybody else saw it. So you kind of get it off your chest. This is such a beautiful protocol. We are happy to send you this protocol. Send us an email at radio at visualworkplace.com. I'd love for you to use it. It is very precise, but also very tolerant. And people change, they grow. 
I had a wonderful time with you today. Next week we're going to start. Week next week we have Thanksgiving and an encore performance. Happy Turkey, and the week after that we'll start something new. I'm working it out now with my colleagues. Thank you very much for listening. I had a wonderful time, and now this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. And you know what I'm doing? I'm going to sign off. <laughs> okay, bye. appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 